Welcome to Life Church Bath, and thank you for choosing this message. If you'd like to learn and hear more about who we are and what we get up to, please go to our website at lifechurchbath.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. Are you awake? Are you happy? Glad to be alive? I just want to say it's so great to be back in the wonderful city of Bath. This is my hometown, so it's very, very dear to my heart. And isn't it, there's just nothing like the sun hitting the golden bath stone and making it shine. It's just wonderful, isn't it? You are blessed to live in such a gorgeous city. And I love the theme that Jonathan is leading you in to light the city, that the city would shine. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, I was with you a few weeks ago, and I think I said I was going to speak from Isaiah 61. So if you have a Bible, if you can turn to Isaiah chapter 61. As you know, Ruth is about getting ready to give birth to their fourth child. And so we're here just to give Jonathan and Ruth and the girls a break. And then Tom and Randy uh, come and join after we leave. And they will be here for a couple of weeks also. And so can we just pray? We're going to pray in just a moment. I'm going to read this scripture. I'm going to pray for Ruth too. But I bring greetings from Life Church and the Life Churches in, in, uh, in the States. Uh, I know some of you are coming out to see us this summer. Uh, we just had Grant and Esteem. Where's Grant and Esteem with us? We had such a wonderful time with you. We had Esteem for two weeks. Grant was there working, ministering for one of those weeks. And uh, the entire time, every day Esteem went out, she just told people about Jesus. In, in every store, people are still talking about it. We really like Grant and Esteem. They're coming back. I wasn't actually there at the church there on the Sunday morning and Grant spoke. I asked him like I think that night before or the morning of, can you speak? And he was ready to go. So, um, so we just appreciate you, Grant and Esteen, and your just love for the Lord. It's contagious. It's outrageous everywhere you go. And kind of fitting for this whole theme of Isaiah 61 and lighting up the city. Are you ready? All right, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach Good news. Everybody say two. Particularly in charismatics churches, it's important to note that we are actually anointed to something, not just anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring or preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from the darkness prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who, who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, and they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. 
They will rebuild ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruins, cities that have been devastated for generations. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. We thank you that this is your voice in print. We thank you that this is the only book that we'll ever read when you, the author, is present. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would arrest each one of us, that we, as Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, you would open the eyes of our hearts, you would enlighten them so that we can know you better and the very hope to which you've called us. I ask that each and every one of us, including myself, would leave this room today having been challenged by your word, that it would go deep inside of us, it would take root and it would bear fruit, and fruit that would remain in Jesus' name. Lord, we do pray for Ruth. We thank you for this baby boy. Lord, we thank you that this baby boy is going to be a legacy carrier, a generational thinker. And we just thank you for the Horseful family in this season. Lord, we just bless them. We bless this baby. We bless Ruth. We bless the church. We thank you that the church is in good hands. It's in safe hands. We thank you so much, Lord, for the gift of life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Are you ready? I'm excited. Messianic passages, which I've just read, speak about the Messiah. This book, Isaiah, was written 700 years before Christ. It was written before Christ, about Christ, and it was to be fulfilled by Christ. This is one of those texts. And the context here, whenever we read a text, it's important that we read it in context. And so Luke chapter 3, as we know, is when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. Not because he had sinned, but it was the mark of his ministry. It was his coronation, if you like. It was the beginning. It was the start of his ministry. Then in Luke chapter 4 is the familiar passage where Jesus is led into the desert by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he came out of the desert full of the Holy Spirit. So if you're going through a wilderness experience right now, the good news is you can come out full of the Holy Spirit. That is a great place for an amen. amen. <laughs> so he comes out of the desert... And he goes to the region of Galilee to a, ta to, a, to a town called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, as we know, is where Jesus grew up. He was there from age 3 to 30. So for the first for 27 years of his life, that's where he grew up. It was his hometown. After he turned 30, he went to Capernaum, and there he stayed for the last three and a half years of his life. And so he goes to Nazareth, which is his hometown, and he was respected as a young rabbi, and it was customary to let the rabbi teach in the synagogue. 
It was his hometown. It was a hometown boy. They were excited and they welcomed him. And they handed him the scroll. And I'm going to read this in Luke chapter 4. Because today I'm much more of a preacher than a teacher. Preaching is proclaiming. Teaching is explaining. And sometimes I have to slow myself down to be more exact. And I much prefer preaching. But I'm going to slow it down today because there's so much gold and so much revelation in Isaiah 61. And so many things that can be missed, including in Luke chapter 4. So if you just bear with me a little bit. But chapters, as we read, chapters and verses, we just read Isaiah 61 and a few verses. But chapters weren't introduced until the 1300s. And then verses, not until the 1600s. So, and this time, Jesus is handed a scroll. And I'm going to read what it says. Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, and verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everybody praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it, he found the place. Everybody say, he found the place. It's really important that he didn't just happen to come across this particular passage. But he found the place where it said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Full stop. That full stop is really important as we're going to see in a minute, because if you read in Isaiah, it says, and the day of vengeance of our God, but Jesus deliberately decides to put a full stop after the word favor. Are you with me? Stay with me. It's going to get good. So to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, it's really important that we understand that punctuations are really important, and I'm glad we have them. They didn't have them there, but Jesus deliberately stops. But if I said to you, do you want to eat, comma, grandpa? Then I'm suggesting that grandpa, I'm asking grandpa if he would like a sandwich. But if I take the comma out, then grandpa becomes the sandwich. So punctuation is really important. And and Jesus deliberately stops at the day of faith to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he doesn't talk about the day of vengeance of our God. Why? Because he's talking about the first coming. And the second coming is the day of vengeance of our God. It's the day where those who don't know the Lord will be punished. But he's declaring, I have come with a message of grace and goodness and kindness. And it's really awesome. Okay. And then he takes the scroll and he says this, 
today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then he sits down in the seat of Moses, which they all knew was reserved for the Messiah. So, so, so this is pretty shocking. This is pretty intense. This is pretty amazing. Jesus, Jojo's boy, the one they all knew grew up climbing olive trees, obviously without sinning. But he was a boy. And now he's 30 years old. And he's saying these things. And they're going with it for a bit. They're like, okay, that's a pretty powerful statement. All right, okay, we're with you. We're following you. Today... This has been fulfilled in your hearing. Let's keep reading. Bear with me. I've got the wrong glasses with me today. So, um, chapter two, you know you're getting old when you're like, wait, what? Not old, getting younger. Outwardly, I'm wasting away. Inwardly, I'm being renewed day by day. <laughs> Jesus said to verse 22, Surely you will quote the proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do hear in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many. Now listen carefully. There were many in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to the widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet none, not one of them, was cleansed except for Naaman of Syrian. Sorry, the Syrian. All the people were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill which Nazareth was built on, and tried to throw him off a cliff. But he walked right through them and went on his way. Now, to understand this and the significance of this, we have to put on Jewish ears a little bit, okay? No disrespect to any women, but 2,000 years ago, women were not respected properly in the way they are now, and neither were lepers. They were outcasts. So Jesus is saying, in Elijah and Elisha's day, there were lots of widows in Israel, but he sent he was, not, he, he was not sent to them, but was sent to a Gentile woman in Sidon. And then he says, remember Elisha. In his day, there were a lot of lepers in Israel, but he was not sent to them except for Nahum. He's basically saying this, church. This is why this is so powerful. He's saying, hey, I'm the Messiah. It's me. I know you, I grew up here. I know I'm going to be without honor in my hometown, but I am the, the Messiah. Today, this prophetic word, this messianic prophecy is being fulfilled in your hearing. Then he sits in the seat of Moses, which they all knew was for the Messiah. And they're like, okay, okay. And then 
he says this. Jesus is me, and I came for, yes, you, the Jews, but I also came for every stinking Gentile that you despise. And when he said that, the hummus hit the fan. <laughs> and they tried to kill him. They tried to push him over a cliff. And he says he just miraculously just walked through them. This is amazing. This is the gospel. And I just want to bring five things, and then we're going to pray from Isaiah 61, the reason why. Everybody say why. What's the why? Why did Jesus come? What is this anointing for? And I love Isaiah 61 because I, when I read it, there's three major shifts. The first one is why did Jesus come? And then there's this great divine exchange that you can see. For, we get, we get his, his gladness for our sadness. We get, we get um, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And these words instead of, and it, it speaks about the divine exchange of going from darkness into light. And then there's another shift where he says, and they will be called oaks of righteousness, and they will rebuild, and they will. Who's they? The people who've been set free. And as a prophetic church, it's important that as we think about lighting up the city, as we think about reaching the lost, as we think about being a light that shines bright, that we see people as Jesus sees them. That we see people who are bound. We see people who are lost. We see people who are in darkness. We see people who are, who are captive. And we see them in their future. And that's why that third gear change in Isaiah 61, he says, and they will be, and they will be, and they will be. So are you ready? Here's uh, five points. Number one, they're right here out of the scripture. The first reason Jesus came, came in Isaiah 61 is to proclaim good news to the poor. Oh, they're all going up at once. Look at that. Okay, I'm going to have to go fast. Good news. Everyone say good news. The gospel means good news. It really is good. I believe we should be the happiest people on the planet because we have good news. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. There's power in the gospel. There's power in the good news. Who's it for? To, to, for those who are poor. Now, that's not necessarily materially poor, but spiritually poor. In the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus is saying, I want, you know, you, I was sat with a half a billionaire uh, last week. And I was sitting by a river, throwing rocks into the river, just talking to him. And I asked him, I said, do you ever find it difficult to figure out who's your friend and who isn't? And he answered the question and he said, Dan, money just, just doesn't make you happy. He said, I have a jet ski. And people say, well, I've never seen a sad person driving on a jet ski. He goes, my jet ski always breaks down. I'm sad about it all the time. But he said, money doesn't, money doesn't make me happy. This guy could literally buy anything, pretty much live anywhere he wants in the world with half a billion dollars. But he said, you know what I really like? I just love doing this. Sitting, thinking, talking, and borrowing your lawnmower. <laughs> you can be very, very wealthy and poor in spirit. But Jesus came to make us wealthy on the inside. 
Many years ago, I was in India, and as I approached the church there, I stopped because the person in front of me had no legs, and they were walking on the stumps of their hands. And it took me by surprise for at first, and I, I thought, okay, do it, should I help him up the steps? And so I went up to him, and I said, good morning, sir. And he turned around, and he had the biggest smile on his face. He said, welcome to our church. And I said, thank you. And he beamed, and then in worship, he just began to worship. And I asked the pastor after, and he said he collects plastic off the ground, and he sells it to make balloons. And I saw a man who was rich in spirit. Even though he had absolutely nothing, he knew Jesus. He'd met Jesus. He'd met good news. Church, the spirit of the Lord is upon us because he's anointed us to bring good news. Everyone say good news. Number two, to bind up the brokenhearted. That word there is a Hebrew word, shabar, and it literally means to be in pieces. And there is a world out there that is in pieces. See, when we grieve because we're in pieces, we grieve, but not as the way, the same way the world does because we have a hope. But the world does not have a hope. We are the hope. So we've got to know how to bind up the brokenhearted, how to see see them whole, healed. In a time where people are dealing with trauma, medical issues, health issues, divorce, heartache, bankruptcy, tragedy, trauma, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a child, the loss of a parent. This is, there's so much tragedy in the world. I, I don't know about you, but the more... The more, the older I get, I just find myself weeping sometimes, just like the pain, you feel people's pain around the world. Injustice, hearts that are literally broken, and God, Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted, and guess what? We're his body. We are his hands and his feet. There's no backup plan. There's no cavalry coming. It's us, the church. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we are new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. And all of this is from God who's given us the ministry. We're all in ministry. I spoke to a young man last week. He said, I just feel called to full-time ministry. I said, we're all called to full-time ministry. (laughs) He's given us the ministry of reconciliation, not counting men's sins against them. That's why it's good news. That's why we're in the year of his favor. Because it's good news, not counting men's sins sins against them. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, so to bind up the brokenhearted. Number three, to proclaim freedom for the captives. Church, there's so many people that are caught. So many people that are bound. So many people are are caught and are are actually, actually captive to addictions, to bondage to drugs, alcohol, to pornography, to anger. And Jesus came to set people free. That's why Galatians 5 verse 1 says, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, do not let yourself be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. Don't! Is this too strong for a Sunday morning? You know, we're in, a, we're in a year, we're calling it the year of teleos, and teleos means to grow up, to be fully grown. So uh, we've taken lots of liberties to say, grow up, church. <laughs> but this is time to grow up. 
It's time to realize the very re- re- to realize the very reason we're here on planet Earth. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Paul says, if, if anyone is caught in sin, let you who are spiritual restore them gently, everyone say gently, not harshly, with the spirit of gentleness, but take heed, Paul says, lest you yourself fall into the same sin. So we need to be spiritual so we can restore people who are caught in sin. That's what Jesus did with the woman caught in the act of adultery. Do you remember they dragged her to Jesus and said, the law says... Remember Jesus wrote the law? He's God, remember that? Yeah, so he starts to write on the ground. People say he's writing in the sand, but he was actually writing on the stone because there was stone in the temple. So he was actually writing on the stone with his finger. That's why they all freaked out and dropped their rocks and left. What he was saying is, you come at me with the law. I, me and my dad wrote the law. You muppet, get out of here. So they dropped their rocks in shame and wept. And then Jesus looked at the woman who was caught in the act of adultery and says, where are your accusers? I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. The reason I'm pushing this just a little bit is we should be so full of grace. Not the day of vengeance. He stopped at the year of the Lord's favor. All of this is good news. And guess what? The second coming hasn't happened yet. The day of vengeance of our God hasn't happened yet, which means we're still living in Graceland. We're still living in favor. We're still living on the right side of the cross. And the Bible says that God is not slow in keeping his promises. No, he's being patient for our sake, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to the knowledge of him. How's that going to happen? Through us, the church. How? By doing this. By be, carrying good news. By being free ourselves. Setting captives free. Binding up the brokenhearted. And, and so, if, so I, 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 I'm pretty passionate about this. When people sin, when people fall, sometimes the church can be the worst. And we become self-righteous bullies and self-appointed judges. But it's not Jesus. Okay. Where do the guilty go? You know, you ask somebody who doesn't know the Lord, like, you want to go to church? They'll say, many people will say, the last place I would go to church, I feel bad enough already. But they should feel such grace and love and kindness. It's a marvelous kingdom of light. You know, you always, if you look, go through this list, and they're up here. If you look at this list, you will always remember the person that showed you grace. I grew up in this town, and some of you have done a, did, many years ago, did a good job of reminding me of some of the things I did. And I'm very careful, especially with young people around, not to give my testimony because there's a lie going on in the church that if, especially with youth pastors, that they give their testimony and their testimony is I did all these drugs and I did all this stuff and and then I got saved. And it puts a lie into young people, I got to get myself a testimony. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. The best testimony is I never did those things. This may, may not surprise some of you, but I did so many drugs here in Bath, I was clinically insane. 
Some of you remember I sat at the back doing class A drugs in those seats right there, listening to my head- headphones. Because something deep inside of me just wanted that peace. Even though I thought people were crazy and I was on LSD and I was on speed and watching people dance and sing and with all my friends who were coming down off drugs, sitting in lines, like just thinking, what is this crazy church people? But you rem- I still remember looking into the faces of the people who showed me, that, showed me grace, who showed me kindness. Alyssa Miller, who I went and saw a few weeks ago and thanked her again for a letter, which I still have, that she wrote to me in 1991. When I was away from God, Mark Brooks, who many of you will remember, every single year on my birthday, called me to say happy birthday. Even in the depths of my drugs, he still called me. You remember. Think, think about the people that showed you grace. Why do you remember them? Because that's what Jesus is like. He's kind. He's loving. Love keeps no record of when it's been wronged. Love is not rude. See, that's what Jesus is like. He doesn't remember. And if God chooses to, as far as the east is from the west, so I've removed your transgressions from you and I remember them no more. If Jesus has forgotten your sin, how dare you bring them up? And definitely don't bring up anybody else's. Husbands and wives. Okay. <laughs> Mark chapter 16, oh, when well, I'm on this roll, Mark chapter 16, do you remember, this, this is where Jesus walks through the wall, right? He, he, he walks through the wall, and this is his men of power for the hour. They've been with him for three and a half years. These are the disciples, and they are locked up from fear of the Jews. And Jesus walks through the walls, and he says, what's up, boys? What are you doing? And they're like, uh, oh, well. Uh, and then he rebukes them for three major character flaws. Number one, they had no faith. Number two, they didn't believe in the resurrection. It's kind of a big deal. And number three, they had hard hearts. You know what Jesus says? He says, go! And preach the gospel to all creation. Lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, speak in new tongues, and these signs will follow those who believe. That's Jesus' response to those three major character flaws for the 12 that he'd been with for three and a half years. Can you hear a screaming message of the grace of God? It's good news. Okay, number four, to release prisoners from darkness. We know this in this church If you've been coming in for a while, we were once in darkness. And because of the finished work of the cross, we're now in the marvelous kingdom of light. We were slaves and sinners. Now we're sons and daughters. And we are saints. We were once on a journey to the cross. Now we're on a journey from the cross. We were once living in darkness. We're now living in the marvelous kingdom of light. If I'm a cross, we're now living on the right side of the cross. And it's marvelous. In in light. In light. Everyone say light. Can I encourage you, live in the light. Live in the light. In this hour, live in the light. Bring everything to the light. Bring things out of the shadows. Bring attitudes, habits, secret sin. Just bring it into the light. Say, here it is, Lord. You know, it's really nice in the light. Light brings warmth. 
Fee was yesterday, he was like, can we just get in the sun? It's just, where can, can we just sit in the sun before the sun goes down? And so we found this little sliver. And I said, Fee, we just look a bit odd. We're stood in the middle of Bath. There's no chairs. And we just kind of stood here because we wanted to be in the light because it was warm. But I just said, we're just going to stand here like this. It's like three feet. And I said, she goes, well, we can go over there. I said, no, the sun stops. There's something about being in the light because it brings warmth. Stay in the light, church. Remember that old song, this little lamp of mine, this little light of mine? I hate that song. <laughs> you know why? Because we don't have a little light. We have a big light. Let it shine. Was it Graham Kendrick that wrote that song, Shine, Jesus Shine, Fill This Land with the Father's Glory? Flow, river, flow. That's a good song. Shine, Jesus. How? Through us. And it can just be a smile. It can just be taking your eyes off yourself. Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Just try it. Try it in your prayer life. I'm going to stop praying. How much of your prayers are you centric? All about you. Oh, Lord, be with me today. I pray for this and help me with this. And I Try changing and praying for someone else. Something will shift. You will get refreshed because it's a principle of the Spirit that whatever you sow, you will reap. Me too. I have to live this too. Okay. Number five, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm going to finish with this last one. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is where Jesus stopped. He never carried on. And he said, this is today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Church, if you can, think about these words. Think about these scriptures. Favor. A few years ago, we drove in the snow in Chicago to a place called Destin, Florida. Anyone been to Destin? It's about a 16-hour drive, and one of the funny things about living in America is it's so big, you can drive and it go from deep snow to hot sunshine in a day. But it takes about 16 hours, and I was given the job of driving while my family all slept. So I was going to drive right the way through the night, and we would hit the beach first thing as the sun came up in the morning. So that was the plan, and I think I stopped for maybe 15, 20 minutes because I couldn't, my eyes were dropping. By the way, this isn't another car accident. And I'm driving along, and I'm thinking about favor. I'm thinking, what is favor? Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor. With God and man, what is favor? And people in my life have said this, oh, Dan, you have favor on your life. And I'm thinking, yeah, but do I? Or is it just maybe an, an entrepreneurial spirit? Or maybe I'm in the right place at the wrong, right time. Maybe it's intuition. I don't really know about that. And so I said, Lord, what is favor? Now, just stay. Don't get up, okay? Just stay here. because uh, Just hear me out. Because he said this to me. Maybe he's not saying it to you. <laughs> I'm just telling you what he said to me. But the Lord said this to me. He said, son, I love everybody, but I don't like everybody. God loves everybody. But the reason we like someone is because there's something about them that we like. True? 
I like that person. Why? Because there's something about them that we like. The same is true with God, I believe. God loves everybody, but if someone is a murderer or a liar or a swindler, God doesn't like that. But when we do something that he likes, the reason he likes it is because it's like him. So when we act like God, and we're generous, and we're gracious, and we're kind, and we're not rude, and we don't keep records of when we've been wronged, and we start to act like him, he likes it because it's like him. And he turns his favor towards us. I just want to suggest to you that's how we grow in favor, by becoming more like God. Please don't sit here and think, so I don't think God likes me. Well, first of all, you're in the year of God's favor, and if you know Jesus, yes, he does, because you're made in his image. But if there's certain areas of your life that you think he doesn't like, what a great opportunity to change! Well, I haven't really been honest with the tax man. Then change, and you'll see his favor turn towards you and his face shine upon you and your life will begin to glow and if we all glow, we'll light up the city. It's, I think we can do it. Peter says we can hasten the day of his return. We can bring Jesus back by living godly lives. That's how. By in other words, by being more like him. Which is why we need to get in the Word so that the Word gets into us. You can't recall the Word unless it dwells in you richly. So we've got to get in the Word. And that doesn't just mean, oh, I forgot to have my quiet time today and beat yourself up and be all religious. First of all, have a loud time. Second of all, if you forgot your quiet time, then just have it right now. Like while you're eating or while you're on the toilet, or while you're walking along, walking the dog, or while you're driving to work. Can we be real in here? Don't be religious. He's right there. He's here. He's wanting to become, he's wanting to pour out his spirit on us because he's anointed us to something, towards number one good news. Spend time with him. Talk to him. When you walk along, when you sit down, he is the light of the world. Okay, so, favor. So I'm driving along, and I'm just getting towards Destin. And I said, God, do you like me? You love everybody, but you don't like everyone. Do you like me? And just as that was happening, the sun came up, and we pulled up at Destin Beach, which is like a gorgeous beach where the water is turquoise and warm and it's like two feet deep and it's just like magical. And so the kids jump out and they're like, yay, beach time. Well, I am exhausted. So we get the beach, we go to the little attendant and we, get, we rent our deck chairs and we go down and the kids and Fee, they run into the ocean and I get my deck chair and I just close my eyes. I think I'm going to go to sleep. I start to go to sleep. And I kind of open my eyes and I hear someone right next to me. And there's this couple sitting next to me. And I'm like, how you doing? And they're like, good, how are you? I'm like, good, thanks. 
And then I pulled my hat down because, I, I, you know, I know I'm a pastor and I'm a Christian and everything, but I just didn't really want to talk to anyone. Because <laughs> I've just driven 16 hours or 18 hours and I'm really tired and I'm on holiday, right? So I'm going to just go to sleep now. And then it was really weird because every time I opened my eyes, they were just staring at me. <laughs> so I'm like, what's up? And they're like, oh, where are you from? I said, um, Chicago. Where, where are you from? I'm like, oh, that's nice. Well, enjoy your holiday. So close my eyes again. And I know I'm being a bit rude, but I just really want to chill out. And I just want to go to sleep. And I'm really tired because I've been driving all this way. And then they, she says, you don't sound like you're from Chicago. And I said, oh, yeah, um, I'm originally from England. And he was like, oh, that's amazing. What do you do? And I thought, oh, buddy, it's none of your business. I don't, I don't owe you anything. Just be quiet. Sh shutty. And he said, uh, I said, uh, okay, I'm going to shake him quick. So I said, oh, I just do a bit of real estate. And then she, his wife sat up, and she was like, huh. And I was like, um, so yeah. He said, we love real estate. <laughs> I said, oh, it's a long time ago. I don't really, you know. Just. And she looks at me, and she goes, so you moved to America to do real estate? And I said, um, All right, I'm just going to go for it. So I said, nope, I'm a pastor of a church. Thinking they're going to be like, okay, great. Well, thank you very much. You know. She went, really? And I went, oh, no. I don't want to talk about church. So I said, it's a crazy charismatic church. We swing from the chandeliers. She said, really? She said, is it? I said, yeah, it's a spirit-filled church. We speak in tongues and everything. It is amazing, really. But I'm just so tired. And she said, so that's why you moved to America then? I said, it is. She said, do you know who R.W. Schambach is? I said, I do. She said, that's my grandfather. R.W. Schombach, for those who don't know, was a revivalist in the States and didn't, he was like Benny Hinn, like did miracles and signs and wonders and crusades back in the day. So I felt the Holy Spirit say, sit up. <laughs> so I sat up, I'm like, okay, I'm engaged, I'm awake. I ended up, for the sake of time, I won't go into all the details, but for, I ended up just talking to them about the Lord. They, they weren't walking with the Lord. I was able to pray with them, and I'm still in contact with them today. And on the way out of the beach, I handed the deck chairs back to the attendant. And I said, sir, how many people on the beach today? He said, um, between 13 and 15,000. And the Holy Spirit said, you couldn't have been at the right place at the right time if you tried. Church. His favor is upon us. His favor is upon all of us. We are living in the time of his favor. We are living in a season of his grace. Can you all stand with me? I want to pray. And if you can, I don't know if musicians are coming, but just lift your hands like this. Just lift them up high.
You know, when we lift our hands, we're, we're, it causes your lungs, your heart to be elevated. Basically, the very thing that keeps us alive is elevated. I just want you to elevate them for him. Just keep your hands up like this. I'm going to put you in a little bit of pain because already some of you are like, yeah, good. I wonder what's for lunch. <laughs> Did I pay for parking? That person really annoys me. If you can, you know, Peter says this, be clear-minded then so you can pray. Interesting verse. Be clear-minded then so that you can pray. In other words, God, I just give everything to you. If you can, practice that for a moment, being clear-minded so that we can pray. Because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something in us this morning. Holy Spirit, as we stand here with our hands open, as we stand here vulnerable for you, God, I just want to thank you for the cross and I thank you for the resurrection. I thank you that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in us. And I thank you that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon each and every one of us because you have anointed us to bring, preach good news to the poor. You've called, you've anointed us to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release prisoners from darkness and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And God, I ask today would be a day that you would just put those hallmarks on us, that you would mark our lives with those scriptures, that for the rest of our days, through the foolishness of preaching, that you would somehow wing this word that is your voice in print, that is living and it's active, that it would be imprinted in our hearts, realizing again the very reason we're here on planet Earth, to bring good news. Lord, for those who are here, who've only heard bad news, God, I thank you for the cross and I pray that curse would be reversed today and that good news would be found again. For those who have broken hearts, those who've gone through disappointments, that you would heal hearts. I just want to say to you, church, that there's an anointing after this to comfort those who mourn and for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And some of you have gone through grief and you feel ugly and you feel lost and you feel pain and you feel all those things. But the Lord says, I, when he sees you, he sees you with a crown of beauty. He's, when, when God sees you, and this is why we're all anointed to do this, to put crowns on people's heads instead of ashes and to provide them with something. And when you see someone that's in grief, can I ask you this question? What are you providing them with? Are you providing them with something that is beautiful because that's what they deserve and that's how God sees them? Whew. 
We're going to end this meeting in just a moment, but if you're just here and you just feel like, man, I, 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 I know the Holy Ghost is on me. I know there's something more that he's got for me today. And yes, I know my parking is out and it's going to cost me. Yes, I know I've got a lunch appointment or food is in the oven, but I, I have to get this. I have to go. I can't leave here without hands being laid on, on me. If that's you, could you come down to the front? We're going to let the rest of you go in a moment. But if you're here, like, I, I just want someone to pray for me. Either you're in that place where you need good news, your heart has been broken. Maybe you're captive to something, and you just need to be set free today. This isn't confession time in the Catholic Church. It's just, hey, God, I'm going to come to the altar, and God, I'm just going to let this go. I'm going to deal with this today. Just come quickly down to the front. We're going to pray for you. And lastly, I just want to say if there's anybody here and you, you've, you've heard this good news, maybe you've been coming to this congregation in this city, maybe you've heard a lot about God, but you've never, ever actually surrendered your life to him. If that's you, it would be my greatest honor to lead you to Jesus. So if you can come and see me straight after this meeting or come down now, I would be honored to pray for you. And like the testimony, the young girl getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, that will be your testimony the day you gave your life to Jesus. Church, love you all. I'm going to hand back over to Tim.